0: Meet Jade. Jade is a busy professional who is constantly on the go. Jade knows that to look good, feel great, and have the energy to thrive, she needs to live an active and healthy lifestyle, but often feels overwhelmed by all the different advice she receives. Despite Jade's efforts to eat clean and work out, she often feels fatigued because of her busy schedule. A friend comes to her rescue by introducing her to LifeFuel's Daily Essential Shake. Jade finds that it meets the criteria of everything on her list and it doesn't contain soy dairy or artificial ingredients all of which jade has eliminated from her diet if you're like jade and are seeking convenient effective all-natural solutions the daily essentials shake may be exactly what you've been searching for formulated to provide you with everything you need to optimize your health so you can get on with life and live your fullest every day what is up arizona high school basketball fanatics welcome back to the arizona small ball podcast where we discuss one of the hidden gems in arizona small school basketball here we talk about everything in the small ball scene we cover scores coaches teams and players as coaches in the valley we understand that these teams don't get enough attention and our biggest goal is to change that we're here to keep you guys updated on everything small ball and ignore everything else because. Honestly, Arizona small balls is better than everything else. On our show, these guys are the stars. It is Wednesday, June 22nd, Reyes is here with me as always, and we're going to really focus this episode on one of the greatest, if not the greatest high school event in Arizona, Section 7. Reyes got to hang out over there and watch a ton of games. I got to catch up with a bunch of coaches and players and kind of hear how things were going. Reyes, I know you really enjoyed yourself. You run events a lot, so I know it was fun for you to check out, like, this massive event at Section 7. Let me just start this pod off by asking you this, because there were some small ball teams there that you saw. What did you learn about the Arizona small ball scene at Section 7?
1: I think I learned something that we knew, but probably others didn't know. Obviously, we talk about the, uh, the upper echelon of, like, small ball teams, you know, like the SCAs, the Ranchos, the Coolidges, and all that sort. Uh, we, knew, we, knew we, we knew they can compete with just about sure. anybody. We knew that. But just for the general fan or the, just for the general public, like, it's just kind of like, oh, they're a 3A team playing against a 6A team or a 2A team playing against a 6A team or a 5A team. This 6A or 5A team is just going to walk all over everybody. That's not the case. Small ball held their own, honestly, you know what I mean? From the teams I was able to see, I saw Valley, I saw Coolidge, I saw Rancho, I saw, I wasn't able, and I was so upset, I wasn't able to see SCA, but, you know, we were able to look at their schedule a little bit and see how they did. Um, I watched Arizona Lutheran, North Valley Christian, So I, and I saw PCD and uh, Mojave Accelerate. So like I said, I got a pretty good handful of, the small ball teams at section seven and just kind of seeing them compete against one another, against some of these bigger schools. It was just really cool to see how they actually are, how they actually were able to compete against, you know, these bigger schools, you know, and, you know, actually win some games. And like, we're not surprised about it, but like I said, for the general fans, like, it's probably just like a, whoa, what just happened?
0: Yeah, I think also just on that big of a stage, you know, having all of those college coaches there, whether it's from Duke or Texas or whatever, And even just like what you said, the casual Arizona high school sports fan or high school basketball fan, they probably do see a a 3A matched up against a 6A, and they're like, oh, they don't got a shot. Like, they're about to get killed. But for Arizona small ball fanatics like us, like you guys, you know, it it was no shock, but it was fun to see some of these teams compete against the bigger schools. Which team really stuck out to you, man, from the small ball scene during Section 7? Because I I know there was some...
1: You know I mean, yeah, there was a couple, you know, I'm just gonna highlight Arizona Lutheran. They're only, the only team they lost to was that big red school. I think it was from like Orange County, I believe. So I obviously we don't really know much about them, you know what I mean? But uh, they ended up beating it's them It's a like, dumb name for a school. Me. It's a silly name, big red, but it's whatever. It makes me um, think of a yeah. drink,
0: and I always hated that drink. Like, it's a dumb <laughs>
1: name. ALA was actually able, you know, they beat they beat North Valley that night, and then they go on to beat PCD, Phoenix country day, and then they beat Malk. So they beat three top, you know, top teams in the AIA as far small ball. And, so, you know, Arizona Lutheran was able to walk away with that. I thought Coolidge was very impressive. I know there were some talks. I don't know if we mentioned in the previous episodes about Gantt, if he was coming back or not. But just, a, you know, spoiler alert, he's back at Coolidge. And, you know, Coolidge is kind of, you know, picking up where they kind of left off. You know what I mean? There They're really good. Man. They have a five nine freshman. Uh, he actually did pretty good work against Chandler, which is a 6 day, and a pretty you know notable six-day in the AIA with Coolidge. You know, they they beat Chandler, then they beat Sandra Day O'Connor, which is no joke. You know, coach Cole over at ACU, or who used to be at ACU is now the head coach over there. So he runs a pretty mm-hmm. good ship at Sandra Day. You know, Coolidge was able to beat them. During and that San out-
0: Day, I just want to say this: during that Sandra Day O'Connor game, they were led by Gantt. Gantt had 20 points in that game. So he was like, he's coming back as a senior. He was their anchor last year. It looks like he's their anchor again. I mean, the kid's
1: tough. The kid's so tough. And a game that I was really upset that I wasn't able to watch. But uh, Valley, Christian, and Coolidge, and me, you know, they met once and uh, met against the each finals
0: other. finals rematch at section seven. That's, I doesn't and, get better than that. And
1: just like before, it was a close one again. But the same result. Valley pulled away by six, 58, 52. I was really hoping to see that game, but I saw Valley earlier. Uh, I saw him play against Horizon and a couple of these other schools, these bigger schools, and what Valley has is they don't really have anybody new, they're just kind of led by Luke Shaw, he's grown a little bit, I believe he's like 6'3 now, the kick and score, if I don't remember the stats right off my head, I hope I don't butcher this, but if I'm not mistaken, it was like 35, 33, and 30, right? I think it up. was
0: a 39-point game in there, maybe. So but maybe it, yeah, maybe like 39. Up, he's lighting up the stat sheet right now.
1: Yeah, he's lighting up the stat sheet right now. You know, obviously his father at GCU was there, and a couple other coaches were able to, you know, get a look at Valley Christian, you know, and they have the Greer brothers, and they you know, they, they have a couple other pieces as well to kind of mix in there. But Valley's obviously a solid team, you know, so they did what they needed to do. Cool, just hey, solid Let, team let me ask did. you this
0: about Valley really quick, about Luke Shaw, because I know a lot of you guys who tuned into the pod last year, you're probably done hearing about the name Shaw, right? Caleb Shaw's gone now and you like want to be done. Luke Shaw putting up these kinds of numbers. I mean, that we're going to be talking about him this year as well because he, he's a good player. He's different than Caleb Shaw, but he's a great player standalone on his own. Reyes, do you think that Luke Shaw has gotten so much better skill-wise? Or do you think it's just the exit of Caleb Shaw, his older brother, that now there's more room and opportunities for him to score? Like, which of those do you think it is?
1: I think it's the fact of his older brother leaving, honestly. I think he's always had the offensive talent because even last year, he was pretty much of a knockdown shooter. He was able to get to the free throw line pretty much at will because, I mean, he... He's all really he good is like, at
0: getting to the free throw line.
1: He, You know, he uses his body well. He'll kind of throw his body into some weird angles, but, he, you know, he'll get a shot off, and, you know, he can't really do much about it. Even if you're in a good position, you know, Um, I think it was just the fact of, you know, Caleb Shaw leaving. And so I think now he kind of understands, like, this is my team. And I think he's going to run the ship and just kind of see how far he can take Valley. I don't know what that's going to look like, but as far as right now, I mean, Valley looked very tough and very solid in that second seven showing.
0: And I will add the Greer brothers have grown a little bit. I keep hearing numbers like six, five, maybe like they're just, they're get they've gotten bigger, They can also shoot. They played huge parts in that game in the championship. So they're returning a lot of championship experience, which is cool. I would have loved to see the matchup between Valley Christian and Coolidge because I would have loved to see those young kids from Coolidge fare against them. Two kids in the backcourt for Coolidge that are just going to be tough, a tandem together. Carlos Coronado, class of 2025, and Tori Golston, class of 2026. They're leading their team right now, and I mean, they just got youth. Coolidge is going to be loaded again. I see them getting really close back to where they were last season. I don't know if you agree with that or not.
1: No, I mean, I, I do agree with you. I think um, obviously we'll get later. We'll we'll dig a little bit deeper into this conversation as we you know head forward because there's another team that I really, truly believe, truly believe is a you know upper echelon team that wasn't at Section Seven that probably should have been there. And, you know, just to note too, Valley did go up. They went 4-0, no, I believe. They, obviously, I think mean, they won their bracket. Yeah, uh, they they won, beat, it was the Arizona
0: done. family bracket. They won that whole thing.
1: Yeah, they played Horizon. They played Prescott. They played Coolidge and Tucson. And so, I mean, just those teams let alone, those are all pretty top teams in their respective conferences. So, you know, shout out to Valley Christian for, you know, holding down small ball, you know, just kind of doing what they always have done, just win.
0: I loved watching the little bit that you sent me about Coolidge, and I'm sure that you saw this too. Their dribble drive offense is back. Yes. And, and I'm really excited about it. I feel like they attack the paint and kick out to open shooters and make decisions off of those penetrations better than most teams in the state. I don't care what level you're at. They're really, really good at it. My question for Coolidge moving forward is if they start to get hot, if they start to really pour it onto a team like they did in the championship game, can they be disciplined enough and take those steps to where they don't shoot themselves out of a game like they did in that against Valley? You know, like that's my biggest question for them moving forward, but man, they look great. I'm really pumped to see them and kind of where they're going to land, even in their region, it's going to be a lot of fun.
1: No, I agree. I agree. But um, we, I mean, we also saw Fallon Hills too. I kind of forgot to mention, you know what I mean? Fallon Hills, they lose their first game and then, you know, they pick it back up. They win like a pretty close one, 61 to 60 over Queen Creek. Question: and they,
0: What was it like without Xavier, Mike, without their shooter? How does their new look team look? What was the role of Aiden, Logan? How are they looking together as a whole?
1: So I think I, I think we were talking about this a little bit when I was watching them actually play. Um, the offense, the offense is obviously different. Um, the the offense uh, revolves around Aiden. You know, he's kind of like the primary ball handler. And this is not a knock on Fountain Hill. It's just kind of what I saw. You know what I mean? Uh, When their other players are faced with pressure, they seem to show signs of struggle. Uh, It's just different flow, different feel because, you know, Xavier Mike was that captain of that ship and he was so used to just kind of getting everyone to their spots and setting himself up as well. Whereas kind of Aiden Logan, he just tries to use his size, you know, to get into the lane, try to post up or try to even get an easy lay. It, it was just obviously a different. It was just a different style of play. He's obviously you can tell he's trying to figure out how to create for himself as well as for others because that's what he was able to do when uh, Xavier Mike had the ball. He was actually just you know had a roll take back and he was able to find others. But now he's like he's the captain of the ship and he needs to figure it out. His other players I think they'll fall in line. I think they're kind of down as far as the guard level, um, but they play super hard. And Coach Barner got some you know running their offense you know which is you know they'll lull you to sleep. But it's just totally different when. majority of your ball handlers can't really handle the ball against tough pressure. Mm -hmm.
0: That's interesting. That was the biggest thing I was wondering is who's running point for them. So we know this. Aiden Logan has the ability to handle the ball. It's just going to be, how is that going to change his role in their offense? Because we know that this kid is great with getting screens and seals and mismatches. He's He's a matchup nightmare when he gets into
1: that stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how Fountain Hills continues to go. And and I'll and I'll mention this before we move on. Sorry to cut you off. When he was out of the game, or when other teams like took him out of the game, that's where Fountain Hills seen the struggle. So I mean, obviously, I'm assuming they'll adapt and they'll figure it out along the roll. Obviously, as we come the season, but as of right now, Aiden is just kind of that heartbeat. If you take that out of the pitcher, found it's a very winnable game for a lot of teams if you can take Aiden Logan out of the game.
0: Hmm. Keep in mind, for all of you coaches, players listening, you know this. It's the summertime. So, you know, there might be kids missing for certain things. My assumption, though, I mean, it's Section 7, right? My assumption is that they probably had their full squad. I would assume that most kids would probably, unless there's, like, a death in the family or an injury, they would do whatever they could to play, right? Like, they'd skip out on their family vacation to go to Section 7, You know, so it's great to see these teams play. I know you did get to see North Valley. I did want to say this about North Valley at Section 7. They had a pretty good showing. Players that are playing really good for North Valley, and I would expect to see them, you know, last year it was a little bit, you know, the year before when they won the championship, they had a bunch of studs. And then last year they really lost those players. And they were not, I want to say in rebuilding mode because they were still really competitive, but it was a different North Valley team this year i see them making a huge jump again in their respective conference i see them being a lot more competitive almost too close to where they were a couple years ago players that are playing really good for them uh cameron rice bobby rodriguez and austin kramer these guys are playing really tough right now Their team. i got to catch up with cameron rice a little bit and he was talking about that he felt like his team could still peak and they have a lot better a, a, like a lot further to go to actually get to where they think they can be. They handled PCD. I forget the score off the top of my head, but it was something like seventy-two to thirty-nine or something. I mean, they took them down. So they're You're playing really off. well right now. You what? You were a, you were
1: a point off. It was thirty-eight.
0: Like, oh man, that's pretty good though. I like that.
1: Yeah, and when I saw North Valley, I mean, they have pretty good size and length. They have their one big. He wears the goggles. I don't remember his name. I didn't know he's number thirty-two. He was a rim protector. He was kind of like overall, like you can just tell he was probably the best player on the court. Good, good, solid squad. I think they're only going to elevate their game. Um, a team that I was not necessarily surprised by, we, I don't think we both were talking about it, it was probably Malk. You know, we just knew like they lost a lot. I mean, they still have like, you know, they still have some of their, you know, the little brother of Aiden Hunger and, you know, they have Tyson Banks and everything, but it's just a different look for a different team. You know, they they competed well with Phoenix Country Day, obviously, towards the end of that game. But the rest of the games were pretty – it was pretty tough. I think Mal's going to bounce back, but it's going to take some time. Obviously, it's the summer.
0: Do you think that our my prediction of them was accurate in our previous episode? I said that I could see them squeaking into the playoffs but not making a run in the playoffs.
1: Uh, from right now, yes. Hmm. From right now, I think they're a good – I think they're a solid playoff team. I just don't think they'll make a deep run. As of right now, I obviously, think things can change just as of right now they just need some things to figure
0: out for sure okay let's talk about phoenix christian for a second okay we've already Ooh. talked about them in our last episode but you want to talk about a squad from the small ball scene that had a great showing in section seven it's phoenix christian they went three and one they ended up getting third in their bracket i got to catch up with coach Strizek. we really wanted to get out there to see it to watch them play but the ending of the weekend was crazy for both of us so we didn't get to get out there and watch you guys but we are going to be at the pacing tournament this next weekend so i'm excited to catch up with phoenix christian then a couple of things that Coach Strizic kind of told us about this. I got to see some highlights just off of Instagram and some videos. They're all just really competing at a high level. Uh, Tommy Randolph and Bryce are playing like college players for Coach Strizic right now. This is what he sent me. Um, Jace Hagen and Colin are balling out as well. Lucas Keaton and Xavier Sandoval have really been getting better and playing really hard, embracing their role. Here's the thing at section seven coach Streisand had pretty much, he told me a six man rotation. Okay. And here's why his top athlete is not there. His name is cam Hatter. Number 13. He's in California. He just got a football offer from UTEP, University of Texas, El Paso. So you got to think about this, right? Like, we talk about Phoenix Christian all the time. Phoenix Christian goes to Section 7, gets third in their tournament. They're rolling teams. They're doing really good competing. They don't even have their best athlete on the floor. They don't even got everybody. So Phoenix Christian is scary, dude. Like, they're getting better and better. They also have an incoming freshman, Malachi, who's only 13 years old, coach streisak said that he believes he has the talent to earn some varsity minutes and make an impact immediately you know me i had to ask him a question i asked him if he was ready to name them as the favorite for the 2a state title champions and he said no he said there's a lot of other teams that are going to be really competitive but you know how coach streisak is he's very humble i don't know reyes you kind of hinted at it a little bit last time about what you thought phoenix christian could be but right now They're playing really good. I know you're not surprised by Phoenix, Christian. No. But I'm just super excited to see who can really, like, compete with them a little bit, you know? And along with that, somebody who you also got to see was Rancho. What were your thoughts on Rancho? Because they also lost some pieces from this past season.
1: Rancho does look young to me, honestly. Mm. I think, obviously, you know, besides uh, Ramos, who's a man amongst boys, man... I mean, besides I mean, it's a tough he's a tough player. I think he's like what six, 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 seven. He's big, he's physical, he's skilled, he has the ability to he's put got the great footwork, ability to put the ball on the floor, has a nice shot, honestly. Um definitely, I'm, I'm definitely an eye. If I'm a college coach, I'm taking a look at this kid for sure. Uh honestly, I'm sure he has great I mean, academics. Overall, just a really solid player. You know, you can tell he you, you no issues from him, I'm sure. But like I said, the rest of the team just seemed kind of young. And, but, you know, Coach Trigg did what he needed to do with them. And obviously the game I was able to watch them, they just weren't able to compete. You know, they played um, Canyon View, which is a pretty tough squad. But, I mean, regardless, you know, Rancho competed really well. I'm not gonna, I'm not really worried about them at all. Sure. I think, you know, it's just kind of like a taste of what they're going to get. But the young kids that they do have, they're, they're young guards. Uh, they can handle the ball. They can shoot the ball really well. I think it's just – them to find where their roles are going to be who's going to be who and just you know implement that offense a little bit more and Then i said they'll be rolling as we hit the towards the season in the 2a i
0: was thinking about this i literally can't think of one player in the 2a that could match up against ramos one on one
1: i i'm gonna be on, in the 2a
0: in the 2a i i mean you can even yeah i mean 2a i can't think of a player that could match up with him one-on-one. I mean, you put a smaller guy on him to try to pressure him, he's going to take him down low. You put a bigger guy on him to try to body him up, he can take him outside. I mean, and he's crafty enough. I just think teams are going to be pulling, the coaches are going to be pulling their hair out, trying to figure out, do we send double teams? Do we do box and ones? Do we zone them? Like, all that kind of stuff, you know? So I, I really like Ramos. I'm looking to see, I'm looking for him to make a massive jump In this season, he needs to get a little bit more recognition around the state. In my opinion, I think he's really, really one of the most talented players I've
1: seen. No, I really do agree with you on that one, especially. I think, like I said, this kind of the way he's heading individually. I mean, he's going to be a tough talent. Hopefully he finds a good place. Obviously, I wouldn't doubt if he I'd be surprised if he doesn't go play, but he's going to find a place I'm going to play at that next level. But like I said, you know, you look at Rancho, they're, they're scheduling their, you know, the wins and losses, whatever. I'm not really necessarily worried about that. I mean, their schedule is pretty tough. Obviously, no excuses for anybody, but I'm just saying, like, this is one of the teams that has competed with these bigger schools for the past five years. So I'm not looking at this as a, a step back or anything like that. I just think these kids, these young core is going to get better and they're figure out a way, and yeah.
0: Okay, are we going to end this thing as far as talking about teams, about Scottsdale? Because we kind of have to, even though we didn't get to see everything we wanted to from Scottsdale at section seven, you want to talk about probably the best duo of freshmen that are coming into, into a program in the state. You have the potential to look at these two kids that are coming in. You got Elijah Williams, who I can't, I can't remember how tall he is. Do you remember the the height that I have? Is it six, six four? four?
1: it's it's six four i promise i feel it's
0: six, like it said six seven somewhere you're insane it's six four i might be i just wanted it to say six seven so elijah williams is coming in as a freshman okay elijah williams is the son of monty williams and if you have not seen it was funny i, I heard about this like a month ago or so and i was like who's elijah williams and they said just look go to youtube and type in monty williams son I was like, that's all I have to type in, and he's going to come up. And he had all these Ball is His Life mixtapes things already. The kid plays with all these different clubs. Elijah Williams will be an immediate impact player. This kid is dunking on everybody that he's playing against. He's a great athlete. He can shoot the ball. He seems, from everything that I'm reading about him, he has like a lot of really good character and good upside for a young kid. The son of Phoenix Suns head coach, Monty Williams, will be there as a freshman. He wasn't at Section 7 because he was injured, but it doesn't matter, right? Because sometimes you don't even need to play to get an offer because this kid got offered at Section 7 without even, like, stepping foot on the floor.
1: (laughs) At the University of Washington, so that just shows you. We'll be on the watch out, small ball.
0: It just shows you the upside that some of these colleges see in Elijah Williams. So you have that to think about with Scottsdale Christian. You also have an incoming freshman by the name of Jacob Weber. This kid is 6'4". Again, he's an incoming freshman. He's a great shooter, all-around player. Here's a a couple numbers that I was able to catch from a couple games that he had this summer. As far as just showing his shooting ability. In one game, he went 8 of 12 from 3. In another game, he went 7 of 10 from 3. Okay, And I think one of those was against Gilbert Christian. We know Gilbert Christian's no pushover. They're a great defensive team. So you want to talk about adding Elijah Williams, Jacob Weber, to also fan a a seasoned veteran point guard who's already won a state championship. You have Hunter Wales, who has championship experience, who's like 6'6", 6'7". He's long. He's big. You have a lot of their younger players that are coming up that got a lot of experience. I mean... Scottsdale's gonna be tough where do you see them in the 3A man because I heard people say oh yeah Scottsdale Christian's playing with the big boys now in the 3A and I just kind (laughs) of laughed I'm like bro you guys just don't know like Scottsdale Scottsdale like they're gonna be in any conference they play in they're gonna be there at the top and if you don't think that you don't know anything about Arizona Where where do you see them like where do they like fall for you in your mind
1: uh, this is no uh, this is no particular order right now, but team, the top teams in the three a for me. Oh, well
0: are, are we giving top teams right now? Let's just do it. We're doing top teams right now. okay, what like top four, top five? We can do four or five, which
1: I'm just gonna name mine and then you can go whatever.
0: Okay, I'll go top so, four. I'll go I'll give you my this, top four.
1: This is no particular order, all right? I'll go Valley, I'll go Scottsdale, I'll go Coolidge, Holbrook, and then, I will throw in five. I don't know. Uh, mm, no. Actually, I'll do top four. How about that? I can't think of fifth. If I think of fifth, I'll tell you.
0: So I'm I'm staying top four too, and mine's exactly the same as yours. For all of our listeners, I want you to know we did not talk about this beforehand. Okay. Why do you put Valley over Scottsdale?
1: What? Well, I mean, I said no particular order. I'm just saying. No, 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 no. My order
0: is Valley, Scottsdale, Coolidge, Holbrook. Like, in that order.
1: So, literally the same order as me, too. Okay. Literally the Um, same
0: order. Like, that's – I put that at, like, one
1: through four. I think – like, even though, obviously, Scottsdale did reload, and, you know, Michael Fan, you have Hunter Wales, and you have this new incoming freshman, Jacob. You know, he's putting a big number. He averaged, like, 25 throughout the tournament. Scotts will obviously reloaded. loaded. They're always going to be really good team. They're going to be well-coached, defensively solid. But there's just something – like, well, last year when we counted – we didn't necessarily count out Valley, but we just kind of pushed them to the side and just kind of seeing what they were able to do and continue to do with the kids they, that they have now. Because think about it, if you think about it last year, the Greer brothers, they were all freshmen. Mm-hmm. Luke Shaw was a sophomore. So, I mean, they have all these kids that are just – Still got like two or three years left. And I mean, they already have championship experience. You know, Coach Greg is going to do a great job developing them even more. So, I mean, I'm just not surprised. And I think that if Valley and Scott still met right now, I don't know if it would be – I think it would be a really close game. I just think that Valley would probably pull out on top on that one. Call me crazy if you want. I just think that right as of right now. So,
0: that championship-level experience – is why I put Valley over Scottsdale. Now, we all know this. Scottsdale, Scottsdale already had, they already have championship experience, but think Get about- back to back. Right, and think about two of their premier players that are gonna be a centerpiece for their team, their incoming freshmen. They don't have that yet. Valley has more all-around championship experience than Scottsdale does. So I can see Valley just, that's why I'd rank them over Scottsdale. But man, like, Scottsdale, think about how scary that team's gonna be, right? I mean, you, you talk about Fan. What point guard in the small ball scene do you see that will be a better point guard than Fan in the 3A? As an overall point guard? Yeah, like, point like, like guard, which like, point who, guard are you taking over Fan in the 3A? Like, like, there's some good point guards. I'm just saying that kid is a stud he's solid he's he's a veteran he just knows how to set his team up and him and coach Anderson are very on the same page so I really like that here's the thing we both mentioned Holbrook we had him as number four they were not at section seven I would love to see Holbrook competing at section seven because I think that they would not I think I know they would compete just fine and they would surprise and turn a lot of heads at Section 7. Again, maybe not people who were in who are familiar with the small ball scene, but for so, like, think about it. If Chandler played against Holbrook, everybody in that gym is, oh, well, Chandler's going to kill these guys, but like, whatever. And then Holbrook's going to come out and do what they do, you know? So, if I would love, I run the gym. I, I know. I would love to see that for Holbrook, for the small ball scene, for the reservation schools. I think that would be super cool. What's another team off the top of your head that was not playing at Section 7 that you would love to see at Section 7, like in the future or like you just wish would have been there?
1: Hmm. Oh, man, that's tough. Why do you to throw a – that's a tough question. I man. didn't even
0: think that was a hot seat question.
1: I can't even think because the only team I was really like just not like disappointed with but I really wanted was probably Holbrook. Okay, that's fine. Um, it Holbrook. I think – I'm trying to think of like who else possibly could have made that jump Mm, no I can't really think of anybody else yeah
0: and Holbrook's good I mean that's a legitimate one I mean the only other team that I was thinking of that I would have loved to see in there is I would have loved to see like a a Highland prep out of the 2A I think they would have competed they would have competed great I would have loved to see Maybe honestly, even like, like a Thatcher or something, you know, just, just, just to see how they could have done in that environment. I think also like an East mark or something like that would have been interesting if those players kept getting better. So I think it would have been cool, but regardless, here's what I want to kind of end with. Okay. Unless you have any other teams or players you wanted to highlight spotlight from section seven, there's quite a few people who have some ill feelings towards section seven. They don't like it. They think that the tournament is is too exclusive, that, you know, their squad should have been invited or, or whatever, so on and so forth. And Reyes, I know you went to the event. You said it was one of the best events that – I put out a poll on Instagram, right, and I said, is Section 7 the best high school tournament in Arizona? I got a few responses, quite a few actually, that said, no, it's not. Okay, Reyes, you went there, you saw the event. What are your thoughts about the event as a whole? I mean, it, from what I've seen, I think it's the it's best high school event easy in Arizona.
1: It's a really great event, honest. I think what they've done with this, first of all, you know, all these event operators, you know, claim that they can bring these coaches and give players exposure. But when you have you know, a Duke staff there. You have a University of Washington, Oregon, Oregon State. You're having U of A, ASU. Granted, those are in-state schools, but even like Texas State, Texas. You're in all these, you know, pow- Power 5 schools in the SEC, you know, the ACC, Pac-12, whatever conference, You know, all that, come into one place to evaluate kids and really, you know, see if they can make a difference for their team. I mean, Section 7 has done that, and it proved it last year and the years prior to that as well. Well, I think it's a really great event. They got a lot of teams. Obviously, I think there's some politics that do play into it for some teams that do get in there that I'm not going to say don't deserve a shot. You know, I every mean, if you get in there, you get in there. It is what it is. I think there's some teams that probably could have been there and would have done just fine. But, you know, due to politics, you know, mm. they just didn't get in the media stuff. I mean, I understand like real media journalists and stuff like that. If you didn't get in, I understand why your feelings are hurt. Cause I mean, I get, I was there and I saw some people that weren't even just, they weren't even, they weren't even like journalists or anything, they were just literally walking around, but they wanted to be on the ground level just to walk around and see the game. So, I mean, I Mm -hmm. get it. Overall, great, solid event. I mean, I'm excited kind of for next year to see what they do to elevate it. And in my mind, I don't know how much more they can do to elevate it. I think about the college exposure
0: thing, you know, how many events broadcast that there's going to be all these college coaches there and don't follow through or it's not quite what they're advertising i mean for section seven it is exactly as advertised if not even more so but i wanted to say about the politics of teams getting in and teams not getting and i do feel like section seven is kind of a cult okay like we'll call it what it is it's kind of funny but i will say this is section seven kind of political and who gets in and who doesn't get in I'm going to say like kind of, but I think it makes sense as to why it's kind of political. I think if you want to get involved in Section 7, you you can have like one of two routes. Okay, I think the the first route is if you're just super competitive in your conference, because Section 7 does get like the top programs in the state that have performed really well in the playoffs or just top in the season. You know, like they get them and they have them in their tournaments. They're always going to have that but another way that you want to get involved or that you can get involved in section seven, if you really wanted to be a part of it is get involved in the ABCA. If you, d- this is where I'm talking about political, right? Like is Section Seven political. Yeah, I think it is, but I kind of understand why if you're a coach that is heavily involved in the ABCA, if you're a donor to the ABCA, if you help them out with specific events, they're always going to look at you and be like, Hey, you've helped us a ton in the past. So, let's just help you out like you you've helped us a ton like your teams in you know like you guys can come and play in this awesome environment that's where you get for being a big part of our program and what we do and i think that's super cool like i think that's being a good event coordinator or program coordinator whatever it is you want to call it remember we talked about mojave accelerated right like the only reason they got in last year was because they knew somebody who was on the board, who was a big donor. And they said, you have to let them in. And they said, okay, they're in now. They were deserved to be in and, and to play, you know, but uh, regardless, I think all the hate for section seven, I think it kind of needs to chill out. If, if you kind of hate on section seven, it's a great tournament. It's a great event. It provides exposure for the kids and I mean, I feel like if you want to be involved, either make it to the final four, win your conference, or just get involved in the ABCA. And I think I think it's a pretty easy answer in that sense.
1: No, yeah, I agree. And we're not just saying that we we're not just saying this to say like we don't know anything. You know, we're pretty well connected, me and Coach. So obviously we have insider trading, let's just say. We're just... We're you say just that's rude. so
0: sketchy. Like, we just know some coaches that are involved in the ABCA. That's it. <laughs> hey, it just
1: sounds cooler like that. Though. See, now you just ruined it. So now the fans <laughs> listening, yeah, we just know some people. We just know coaches. Yeah, it's pretty bland, but it sounds cool when I say insider <laughs> training. But, no, I mean, like I said, though, yeah, the college exposure is just another thing. I had all my buddies that are college coaches, they were hitting me up, and they were. we were supposed to meet up but I had work, so I'm lame. But, I mean, it's a legit event. So, I mean, I. how can you hate on it when you know, they're giving opportunity for these kids, you know, be looked at and have a chance to play at the next level. That's the whole point.
0: It's an awesome event. Next year, I'm going to go to it, Reyes. I'm going to go to it next year. And I can see it in your face. You don't believe me. I'm going to do my best to make it happen. So, anyways, it is crazy for me to think about that Section 7 is already over, because all that means is that the summer is almost over our Monday night league ends this next Monday night. We've got a pace tournament that we're going over to this weekend. So if you're going to that, give us a shout out for it, tag us in whatever it is that you post, but June ball is almost over. And I hope, I know we've been seeing this with our squad. I hope improvement is something that you are seeing and that's all you could ask for in summer ball, right? It's not to go undefeated. I mean, all that's cool, But if your team is getting better, if your team is improving, I think that is something that Summer Ball is for. It's for you to try new things and to experiment with stuff and for your kids to get more experience. So, yeah, I can't believe Summer Ball is almost over. Reyes, you got anything else you want to say before we get out of here? No. Wow, that's (laughs) the first time you're just like, no, I got nothing.
1: Well, I don't got nothing, dude. I'm trying to think, and I just can't think of anything. I think the only thing that, yeah, I don't know. So we have some pretty big plans coming soon. So that'd be kind of cool, you know, regarding some small ball stuff, but we'll keep you that. You try the to be all
0: sketchy and keep things on the down low. It's hilarious.
1: Yeah, dude. We'll just leave it like that. Yeah.
0: All right. Let's leave it at that. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the Arizona small ball podcast. If you want to be a part of the action, make sure you follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and always tag us and stuff if one of your players did something really good tag us on twitter if one of your players did something like had a really great game in the summertime or in a live period in july just send us a message so we can have those kids on our radar so we can talk about them on the pod we'll catch you guys next week as we wrap up june ball reyes i think max we got two episodes left and then we're done with the summer uh for sure we have one more left but but it's coming fast so thank you guys for tuning in and we'll catch you guys next week